Knock, knock. Who's there? Sure. Sure who? Sure hope you like bad jokes. Um. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith <laughs> FM. We have come into the second hour of our show. It's 8 4 a.m. It's a pretty beautiful day outside. I can see some kind of overcastness, but the sun is peeking through here in Newcastle. And before we get into anything, Monica, we're going to have another question for the quiz. Oh, yes. Okay, this is our fourth quiz question today. Mm. Jesus told the church in Sardis they had a reputation for being what? Multiple choice. Here's four options. Is it A, being alive but dead? Was it B, being wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Or was it C, being loveless? Or was it D, being corrupt? Mm. Yeah. You know the answer. 0491-064-669. That is the number to call. Shall I go through it again? Yeah. Jesus told the church in Sardis they had a reputation for being what? Was it A, being alive but dead, B, being wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, C, being loveless, or D, being corrupt? Mm. Well, this morning on the text line, we have just got a plethora of love coming in for Monica. Mm -hmm. We've got, you know, this lady writes in fairly, she writes in, beautiful morning to both. Nice to hear from you, Monica. Oh, bless. You know, so... You know, we've got later, God loves you, Mon, as we all do from Freco. Uh, I loved hearing about the message you found in the supermarket, Monica. Our God is an awesome God from Suzanne. And then here we've got a bit of a personal testimony as well from Wayne. He writes, good morning, Monica, your story of the post-it note was beautiful. It reminds me of when I was having medical issues and I was awaiting test results. I'm a public bus driver. While I was driving my bus, I was praying to God, asking him to please give me a sign from him that my test will come back okay. At the last stop, the person, uh, sorry, at the last stop, the last person, a lady, got off the bus and asked me as she was getting off, do you like chocolate? I have half a block here if you want it. I said, thank you. It was a block of dark club chocolate. Shout out dark chocolate. Mm -mm. It's vegan. It's my favorite. You can eat it and it's got no milk. Uh, It brought tears to my eyes. It was my most favorite chocolate. I took that as an answer from God that everything was going to be okay. And it was. My test results came back. Praise the Lord. Perfect. Praise the Lord. So shout out, Wayne. Shout out those stories. Shout out the love for Monica as well. Because... We love you here, Monica, and, and you have been such a blessing to the show. I think that was one thing that Lyle mentioned as well on the show, the amount of work that Monica has done for free this year, just putting in her time to help the breakfast show go for it, forward at various times. Of, well, a day like today, Lyle's off on long service leave. Blake is gallivanting, I, I guess. He's, <laughs> he's doing his thing. And uh, Monica can come in and just do a fantastic, phenomenal job on I'm, radio. I'm sorry, am I not getting paid? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my word. <laughs> Did you just have a heart attack, yeah. Lawson? <laughs> but then I'm like, why would you say that on radio? Just wait I'm until just after joking. the segment finishes. <laughs> just messing imagine, with you. It is my imagine. pleasure to help out. It is that my is, pleasure. <laughs> dude, I, we just got pranked. We just got pranked. That was freaky. <laughs> And another text message I have. So my friend, Johanna, she is actually dating a Korean guy at the moment. His name is Harry. These guys go to my church. I absolutely love him. Um, But in regards to the story we're talking about uh, that happened, the the massive tragedy in South Korea where 153 people died as a result of uh, being trampeded and stampled by like 100,000 people. Uh, She writes, Harry, her 
Korean boyfriend, reckons there's not usually that many people in Korea that celebrate ha- Halloween. Guess people yeah. were just desperate to party. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, because ha- uh, Korea is one of those places where it's like not... It, it has Western tradition, but then a lot of the Western tradition in Korea is motivated by Christians who live there. Yeah. And Christians don't celebrate Halloween outside of that. It's just they're, the traditions that they practice are more not Western, more Asian. And so, yeah, Halloween isn't a big thing there. And according to Har- Harry, it's not either. It's just literally the lockdown comes to an end. It's an opportunity to party. People want to get out. and Yeah, more young people. I actually looked up this. I looked this up recently as well about Halloween and Korea. And, yeah, they don't really celebrate it. It's not. It's like, it's seen as an American thing. Mm. But the, the youth, because of the social media and, like, everything becoming globalised, they want to emulate what they've seen on social yeah. media. So they're getting into it. It's yeah. a big dress-up party. You know, yeah. I have heaps of friends from Newcastle Uni and they're all posting, you know, hey, yeah, we're going to like a Halloween party. They have no idea what it means. They have no idea what it's about. It's just an awesome excuse to mm-hmm. for these guys. They're, they're like, yeah, this is my awesome best excuse to be able to dress up in a funny costume and, and get out and, and go, you know, go out with my friends or something like that. Again, from this, there they could be, because uh, I said th- there's... Is this is so unprecedented that how can you even say that there's something that they should have done differently? You know, obviously we would give the advice of, hey, drinking is bad. Being in large crowds of parties is bad. Like these things, these are often the factors that contribute to events like these. Yeah. And we will sit here at Faith FM and, and say wholeheartedly that, yeah, these, these things are terrible and, you know, I'm sure that without those factors, this situation could have been different, but simultaneously, again, something so unprecedented and so tragic and something that just needs prayer at Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, guys, that is your text messages. you have anything else to say, if you want to comment on the Bible study we're about to do, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. But Monica... Send us your favorite knock-knock jokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, knock-knock Lawson. (laughs) Who's there? An interrupting cow. Moo. Moo! Oh, darn it. I know that one. Everyone knows that one. It's a classic. That's my favourite. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Red. Red who? Anyway, moving on with the show. Uh, <laughs> I do not get it. <laughs> Red who? No, we're not. We're not. I'm not explaining it. Someone text it and explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just. So I'm, I'm a really big fan of what's called anti-anti jokes. Which oh, is, yeah. So you've got an anti-joke, which is a joke where the punchline is just a literal outcome of the setup. Mm-hmm. Like people will say, oh, what's big and red? A fire truck. Like that's an oh. anti-joke. So mm-hmm. it's not funny yeah. at all. But then an anti-anti-joke is where the punchline is so unrelated to the setup that it just becomes absurd oh. and it doesn't make sense at all. And that's what's funny about it. And describing yourself there, are you Lord? Yeah, that's right. Absurd doesn't make absurd doesn't make sense and sometimes is funny. Yeah. yeah. That that's right. That that's that's me. That's my personality and that's my favorite kind of joke. So anyways, we hey send in your favorite knock knock joke, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. But this morning we are moving through our Bible study, and in this Bible study this quarter has been all about death. Mm. All wow. about death and the macabre. things. Huh? Macabre. M- macabre? Yeah. Is that the word for death? In... No, it's like, it means like, oh, that's creepy. That's, oh, oh. It's dark. It's, oh, okay, it's okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 
Is that like it's a, a French word? It's a French word. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. like, is that it's, a, it's, it's an English word that has French origin. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're talking all about death. If, if kind of appropriate. Lots of people are cele- celebrating yeah. Halloween. Uh, we're talking about well, what does the Bible say about death? And it's definitely nothing that is shared or celebrated on Halloween. But in our last Bible study last week, we talked about resurrections that happened before Jesus. So we looked at a couple of Old Testament examples of Moses. Uh, we had the the widow, the widow's son, and we had well Elijah and Elisha both raising up you know different people's sons from the dead. We then come to the various stories in the Gospels where Jesus raises people from the dead. We have Jairus's daughter and Lazarus and one other, I believe. All of these different stories of people coming back to life after they die. And here we see what is the common sentiment throughout the Bible in relationship to death and resurrection. What we also explored yesterday is from the very beginning to the very end of the Bible, but particularly in the Old Testament, the idea of the resurrection of the dead is something that was wholeheartedly believed and expounded upon and shared. It's a shared belief amongst the Jewish community, uh, amongst the Old Testament community of God's people and the expositors of the Bible. Mm-hmm. They're like the people who wrote the Bible, they were talking about a resurrection that will co- that would come. Now, again, we went on to talk about well, resurrections that happened before Jesus' resurrection. But this week, we're going to talk about Jesus himself. Amen. Let's start by going to our first text. Let's go to John chapter 3. Monica, if you can turn there for us. And I... Love having Monica on the show to read because she's just a fantastic reader. I feel like whenever she reads the Bible, it's just very, just just going hard. Blake is also a great reader too. I'm an okay reader, and then Lyle's just like, but uh, hey, let's uh, we can read that right after this. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. Contact us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. So we're gonna be reading John chapter three, verses fourteen and. 15, Monica, as she turns there. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Okay, 13. 14. 14. Chapter 3, 14 and (laughs) 15. Thank you, Monica. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Mm. Now, here Jesus is speaking and he's reflecting on a story that happens in the Old Testament. Essentially, Moses and the Israelites, they're traveling throughout Israel and they're attacked by something. Monica, what are they attacked by? Uh, was it a bronze snake? Well, they lift no, was, up a bronze snake. Yeah, they lift up a bronze snake. But what were they being attacked by? I, I can't remember. Sorry, I'm a blank. bunch of snakes. I'm blanking so hard. Um, was it really a bunch of yeah, snakes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. It is horrifying. That sounds like uh, the I'm, stuff of my own personal nightmares. Like, insane. So they're in the wilderness. They're being attacked by snakes. And I want to ask you this question, Monica. What was usually the reason why bad things would happen to the children of Israel at this time? They were um, leaving God and disobeying. That's and, right. Yeah. They were going through an immense period of disobedience, of complaining, of idol worship. They persist. And that was persistent throughout their history until the demise of Israel and the rebuilding of Israel. But then even Israel up until Jesus's time, yeah, struggled so much with just leaving God, idolatry, killing the prophets, doing all these different 
terrible things. At this time in this story, uh, they're complaining to God. They're, they're, they don't believe that God will be able to save them. And, and as a result, then um, God's they're, they're in the wilderness. They're in the desert. Deserts are places that are full of dangerous animals. Mm. And God's protection is lifted that has been previously protecting them. And as a result, they're attacked by what the Bible calls fiery serpents. Now you could, you know, make a, take a guess as to what kind of snake this is. I am not a zoologist. I, I, I don't know exactly what snake this is, but I know that it's a snake that if any snake bites you, it's going to hurt. But furthermore, it was a poisonous snake. The word fiery just doesn't really help at all. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, you hear something like that and it makes your blood boil. Yeah. Literally. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But they're in the wilderness. They're being attacked by snakes. Okay. And then we see here Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15 commenting on the solution to this, which was that Moses, he fashioned a snake out of a bronze pole and he lifted it up. And as a result, people looked at it and they were healed. Really? And they didn't die. Yeah. So he fashioned this snake. And that's why, actually, if you look at many hospitals today, you know how it's got the needle with the snake snake wrapped around it? Oh, yeah. It is an allusion to this story. Oh, wow. Because hospitals- That is like a universal symbol for medical care. Yeah, that's right. A cross with a snake draped on. That's right. Mm. But that story is all about, you know, well, it's like the Israelites were healed by looking at the snake. Hospitals are a place where people go to get healed. And so we see clearly, yeah. That, that's where it comes from. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that hospital and charity were very much, uh, well, like not medical practice, but definitely hospital and charity were very much uh, inventions and uh, were heavily, you know, pursued and, yeah, spread by Christianity, mm-hmm. particularly, you know, during the rise of Christianity under the Roman Empire. It was, yeah. And so... The universal symbol for hospital is, yeah, the cross and the snake and because of this story and because of, you know, but also because of Jesus's illusion, right? He's like, okay, Moses lifted up this pole with a snake on it in the wilderness so that when you looked at it, you would be saved. And what were they being saved from in the wilderness? From the snakes and maybe the poison if they've been bit? Yeah, that's right. They were being healed from the poison of the snakes. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus is saying that... He is going to be lifted up, and you know this would be an this would be a I guess a fulfillment of what's happening in this time. This would be an allusion back to what's happening at this time. He is lifted up. Now the question is, why was it that Jesus died? What did Jesus? What was God trying to accomplish by putting Jesus on the cross? To, to save us, to heal us from our sins. That's right. To solve the problem of death. Mm-hmm. If you could, like, grab the Bible and you could summarize the whole thing in in a question, like, what's the point and purpose of the Bible? The Bible has lots of history, lots of poetry, lots of prophecy, lots of information. You know, it goes from the very beginning of time until the very end of time. Yet, it also is a tiny book. Compared to say, if you want to read uh, the ten volumes of the history of the Roman Empire, it's a it's a set of books that will take up an entire bookshelf. Wow! But it's like the Bible has, according to it, the entire history of the world in it. Mm-hmm. Yet it is much smaller, about you know twelve hundred pages for your average size Bible. What is the point and purpose of the Bible? What is it that the Bi- What is God communicating to us through the Bible that He is trying to achieve? And ultimately, I believe that is 
through the Bible, God is trying to communicate to us how it is that he solves the problem of death. Mm. It has to be. That, mm. That's from, from, one to, from the beginning to the end. Why? Because he creates humanity, they sin, they leave him, and as a result, they die. And now God, from that point forward, is trying to come up with a solution to solve that problem. Now, we've been talking all about death. We last week talked about the resurrection in different people's lives, and we see that as the, the, the consummation of the, you know, the, the great end to death is, okay, if people can die and come back to life, well, then that solves the problem. But the question is, by what means can they be resurrected? How can God justifiably resurrect sinners? Mm. How can he take people who have left him and resurrect them and bring them back to life? And here we see our solution. Let's read it again. Do you want to read John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15? And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Mm. Wow. This is is the you could say the 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 conclusive statement you know it's not right at the end of the bible it's right here in you know the the beginning of the new testament but this is really the the peak the the climax of the story of god solving the problem of death within humanity and, you know, if you lay world history out, we see we've got a, a period of 6,000 years of history. If we lay world history out and if you follow, you know, conventional story arcs, you see how it's like, you know, there is a time of peace and then a problem and then a journey and then you've got a climax and then afterwards you've got the 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 solving, you know, or the, the, the consummation of the story, you know, mm-hmm. where everything kind of dies down. And yeah. it kind of looks like a little chart where it like goes up, 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 and then you have a peak and then it goes down a little bit and then that's the end yeah. of, yeah. of... Loose ends get tied up and that's right. a happy ending. With Jesus being put on the cross, here we see the climax of the story that's all about answering the question, how does God solve death? And how is it? Well, he would get put on a cross, he'd be lifted up from the world, and by people believing in him and choosing to follow him, they themselves, um, seeing God dying for their sins, they themselves would be saved from death. <laughs> now, again, it goes back to, well, uh, Monica, there have been a lot of people who've died after yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the question is, well, why? Why have they died? You know, I thought Jesus would die and it would save them from death. Huh? Shouldn't they all just be living right now? It's a good question. It's it's a good question. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 18 says this. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. <laughs> My Bible says perished. Maybe read the next verse. verse I was going to say, it doesn't well. sound like it's proving a point. Yeah. <laughs> and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Mm. Mm. I think this verse is really powerful. I think Australians, okay, Australians in general, we are very apathetic towards religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, like, but that being said, lots of Australians, uh, it's apathetic and it's uh, indifferent. Yeah. Lots of Australians would say, oh, but you know, Christians are good because, like, there's lots of Christian charities and uh, Christian morals and values for the most part are good. I know that there's definitely a shifting tide in Australia towards Christian morals and values. And, and uh, yeah, we they can... give us lots of op shops. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, 
Christians, they're like, yes, Christians are good because what they believe leads them to do good things. But if believing in Christ is only good things, according to this verse, is that a is that a good solution? Is if if our belief in Christ only makes us good people in this life, is that is that beneficial? Mm. According to this verse, it says no. We're going to get into and and dive into this in our next section. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You know, knock, knock. Who's there? Olive. O- Olive who? I love you so much, <laughs> That's, that's, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I, before, before I just ignore you, but you know what? Thank you, Monica. I actually, I really needed that. <laughs> but hey, we have our last question for the quiz this morning. Oh, yes, we do. Sorry. <laughs> I'm off in knock-knock joke land. Um, okay, so our last question is this. How many chapters are there in the book of Second John? Ooh. Mm, yeah, give us a call, 0491064669. And you could be in the running to win uh, one of two prizes. We are going to be having two winners this week, just mm. absolutely astonishing. Uh, and both winners will get a double prize. It's mm. like double, double, double. Um, so we're going to have a devotional box gift set, My Life Today by Elizabeth Talbot and Jesus Wins. Oh, sorry, I'll be around. Jesus Wins by Elizabeth Talbot and My Life Today by E.G. White. And then another big, uh, box gift set is The Bridegroom is Coming by E.G. White and It is Finished by E.G. White. These are all devotional. So we are doing this because we want you to start being mindful. Now, the new year is starting to come in. Um, Quicker than we always expect, and mm. uh, and to start thinking about what you're going to do for devotions next. So we we want to encourage a devotional mm. life. So give us a call if you can tell us how many chapters are there in the book of Second John. Call mm. or text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Now back into the Bible study we have been doing. We've been talking about Jesus and his death and why it's important. Let's actually, let's go to this passage in 1 Corinthians and let's start from verse 12. We, we had a read of 18 and 19, but I want to see why this passage is so important and, and how much it relates to what we've been talking about. Let's start in verse 12. And you know what, Monica, can you read from verse 12 to verse 14 for us? But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there'll be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Ooh, Mm. deep. So this was Paul writing the book of Corinthians, and I believe the historical context to this. It's like, okay, well, who was speaking against the resurrection? Shouldn't that be a pretty mainstay, straightforward Christian doctrine? Mm -hmm. But at this time, uh, well, even in Jerusalem, you had the division of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were a group of Jews who were, they were religious leaders and whatnot, but their theological position was one that was very much based on the Bible, the Old Testament. And they, they believed they were, they were very rigid and legalistic, but also believe very much in the resurrection because that's what the Bible says. Now, the Sadducees, on the other hand, were basically Hellenized Jews. So they had been trained in Greek schools, and as a result, they more subscribed and adopted a belief in the immortal soul, and that when you die, you go immediately to heaven, and therefore there's no need for a resurrection. Uh, But Paul says here, saying that there is no resurrection in the Christian faith means uh, that essentially 
Like, it is not a Christian faith. Like, saying that there is no resurrection, it it says here, well, your faith is empty and the preaching is empty. You know, this was, again, one of the first initial heresies that grew up in the Christian church, the idea that Jesus hadn't resurrected. But then furthermore, like, it was kind of informed by the idea as well that Jesus didn't necessarily come as a real flesh and blood human uh, because for Hellenistic thinking, for a God to become a human is just like ridiculous. It's like, why would someone in the divine spiritual realm become something in the physical realm? But in fact, that's the whole point is that God became flesh. He became humanity uh, and he died for us, which is powerful. It's amazing. But he says here, he's writing here. He's like, but if you don't believe Christ resurrection resurrected, our faith is futile. Our belief is futile. Mm. And everything that we've preached ultimately amounts to nothing. It's empty. He continues on. Let's continue reading. Do you want to get verse 15 for us to verse 17? And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are all still guilty of your sins. Mm. Wow. This is powerful. So essentially he's saying, if you say then that there's no resurrection of the dead, then if there's no resurrection of the dead, then you basically say that you don't believe Christ was raised because Jesus Christ living, dying and resurrection is a perfect example as to what will happen to those who believe and follow him. Those who are saved, the saved, they live They die, they rest in the ground as Christ rested in the grave, and then they're resurrected again by God uh, and taken to heaven at the second coming. And then we see in verse 18 and 19, as we read before, you can get that for us again, Monica. In In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. So again, it's very clearly saying, hey, we subscribe and believe in this religion. The reason we believe, like the truth of Christianity is founded in the fact that Jesus Christ lived, died and resurrected. And to reject that means you basically reject everything. And if you reject everything, yet still call yourself a Christian, then you are, of all people, the most sad. Because what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Go and live a good life doing something else. Mm-hmm. Go and get rich. Yep. Go and be famous. You know, God blesses his followers, and he blesses them with either, you know, I, I believe God blesses us with means, or he can bless us with trials. Because mm-hmm. um, both of those things can be a blessing to us. Whatever life we lead, we know if we're following God, he will lead us into the place in which we will be the most blessed um, because we will know him the best uh, if we follow his leading. We'll have the best relationship with him. But that all being said, Paul's just simply like, if you don't believe Jesus Christ lived, died, and resurrected, don't even associate. What's the point? Like, don't even, don't call yourself a Christian. Don't say you have faith. Don't, like, everything that we do, all the Christian practice, everything that is a part of living a life of faith is pointless. Now we can see, oh, but there are some social benefits. There are some, uh, you know, mental health benefits and whatnot of being a part of 
you know, doing charitable things and good things for one another and, and meeting with one another. But Paul is saying, yeah, just, just go do it somewhere else. Because for those who call themselves Christians, we're serious about this. Mm. We, we seriously believe that we have hope for the future. Yeah. That is what informs everything else that we do, the, the charity, the gathering together, the love that we have for one another. It's pivotal. It's, yeah. This, like, it means nothing. It means nothing if Christ is not resurrected. And so this resurrection of Christ is key. This, the death and resurrection of Christ is key to what we believe as Christians. It is necessary. It is needed. And there is simply no faith uh, without it. And that leads us to our very last verse. Do you want to read for us John chapter 12 and verse 27, Monica? John chapter 12 and verse 27. Let me just get there with my little butterfingers. John Mm. chapter 12 and verse 27 says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Mm. Jesus, when preparing uh, to to put himself on a cross, he has the weight of the world of sin put on top of him. And he's like, oh, I could pray to be freed from this and to not go through with it. But no, I came to die for humanity. That's why we have faith in Jesus. That's why we believe in him. And that's why we follow him is because of the fact he died. And we're going to be talking about more of this throughout the week. You're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM. Positively different. Oh, a knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? A little old lady. A little old lady who... Wow, Lawson, I didn't know you could yodel. (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) That that made me laugh. Dude, this this snort, that's so funny. I'm so stoked that the one day I fill in for Lyle, it's like international knock-knock joke day. That's amazing. Nothing could make me happier today. Well, hey, can you give us some answers for the quiz questions? Oh, yeah, we're doing that. Mm. Okay, I love this part. All right, so question number one, how did Eli die? He fell off a seat and broke his neck. You can read about that in 1 Samuel 4.18. Fill in the blank, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Receive mm-hmm. you was the two words we're missing. Uh, the Lord is slow to anger, according to Nahum 1, and Jesus told the church in Sardis they had a reputation for being uh, a alive but dead, and there's only one chapter in the book of Second John. Mm. Mm. There you go. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine was the number that you called or text to answer those questions correctly. And I, I just always end up giving the number at this time, and I'm going to give it to just to tell you guys, hey, if you got questions correct, congratulations, you can You're in. you can you can gloat. You can give us a call or text in that number and gloat, and you can send us in questions of the day, which right now we're going to be answering one in our time of question of the day. All right, Monica, what is our question of the day? Did patriarchs worship a triune God or the one named Jehovah? This is coming from Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, okay. Interesting question. Did basically, like, were the patriarchs believers in the Godhead? Uh, you know, a, a triune God. You know, there's there's Trinitarianism, there's triism, but here at Faith FM, we believe in in the in the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, making up you know three in one, making up one God. Now, 
the question is, well, did they? I would say if we if we look at the text and we we review a text, not with great clarity, can we see them? You know, the, Abraham doesn't say, or Isaac or Jacob, they don't say, I believe in the Holy Trinity of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, because I believe that was something that was made clearer to the believers in the time of Jesus, which makes sense. Like, things throughout time became more clear to those who followed God and believed. For example, the entire... Old Testament sanctuary service pointed forward to exactly what Jesus would do in throughout his life and on the cross. Now, those who were practicing it didn't completely understand that. They were like, oh, yeah, we sacrifice a lamb because we have sinned and this innocent life of the lamb takes my place. Now, some of them, I think, had insight. Some of them looked forward to and knew that, oh, hey, that's who Jesus would become. He'd become the Lamb of God. And that's how John the Baptist identifies Jesus. But again, for John the Baptist, it became clear once he saw Jesus at this time. So things like not being understood by previous generations of prophets and believers that are then more clearly understood by later generations of prophets and believers is not an uncommon thing to the Bible. So to say, oh, because it's not clear whether Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob believed in a triune God, that means that they there isn't a trying God. I don't believe you can make that case. But in researching this question, I found an interesting story, an interesting thing that really got me hyped. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think we have evidence for that. In in the book of Genesis and in chapter 18, we have this story of Abraham and his wife, and they're visited by the Lord. And look at what the Bible says here. Then the Lord, that's Jehovah, Yahweh. That YHWH, who, you know, Thomas has indicated here, this is the universal title of Lord, okay? Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of the Memre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Now, it says here, he's sitting in his tent, he looks up, and he sees three men. And this is the time at which he meets the Lord. And one of these men, of the three, is the Lord. Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. He's with two other men, and we can assume that they are angels. It's the Lord, and he's with angels, okay, uh, there to meet them. I wouldn't say, some people could say, oh, maybe this was Father, Son, Holy Spirit in human form. No, that's something that we don't see throughout the Bible. But we see, yeah, the Lord, he's in human form with two other dudes who are angels. They come, they, they meet Abraham, and they have a conversation with him. Now, if you flick forward in your Bible all the way to Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven. And, and oh, just by the way, reflecting back, these two angels uh, are with the Lord. And when, you know, the Lord isn't there, particularly at the time in which, you know, Lot uh, and his family are being saved from um, from Sodom and Gomorrah, it's these two angels that, that carry them out. Um, but you see the Lord and these two angels. Come to Acts chapter 1, and this is the time in which Jesus ascends into heaven. The Bible says, Now when he had spoken these things... While they watched, yeah, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, he went up. And then, so Jesus ascends into heaven. Two men stood by them in white apparel, saying, Men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So, in this Old Testament story, we have the Lord, Jehovah, with two men. In the New Testament, we have Jesus. He's with his disciples. He ascends into heaven. And then there's these two men in white apparel standing there, explaining them to them what happened. Essentially, what I believe we're seeing in both of these stories, the common connection is that the person who visited Abraham was Jesus himself with his two angels who are there assisting him in in white apparel. And then we see the same thing happen in the book of Acts. But the thing is, is that the Bible writers, the writer of Genesis, Moses and Abraham identified Jesus as Yahweh, as Lord. And so what we see here is someone identifying someone other than the the father from heaven, Jesus, the son of God, as the eternal God. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. Knock, knock. (sighs) Who's who's there, Monica? Alice. Alice who? Alas, it's the end of the show. <laughs> okay, that was that was a good one. Yeah, shout out! Monica. I made that one up myself. And hey, if you guys have any uh, knock knock jokes as we close out the show, send them in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. But we've come to the end of the show. Well, I'm looking forward to getting out there today, to telling my fair share of knock knock jokes, going to the gym, <laughs> working, just getting it done. What are you looking forward to today, Monica? Oh, I'm looking. Do you know what? Probably the same thing. Telling knock knock jokes until people can't stand me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I am willing. I'm prepared to ruin my relationships with knock-knock jerks. Hey, but you've been listening to The Breakfast Show, and remember to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.